0: The following was recorded in someone's basement. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Outsider Show, The Pro Show! With your hosts, Kyle Joseph and Mark Cote. Take it away,
1: guys! What is going on, everyone? My name is Mark. Welcome to the PWO Show, the Pro Wrestling Outsider Show. Uh, unfortunately, Kyle and I weren't able to get together this week once again. Kyle's actually in Montreal. Um, he's coming back today, but uh, he was a little delayed. So on the second half of this podcast, you will hear Kyle and his thoughts on this week of wrestling. And and guys, I, I got to do it. Hold on. This Hopefully this works. Here's one of the biggest things that happened this week in wrestling. I had to, if you haven't seen the news yet, on this week's WWE Backstage on Fox, um, CM Punk came back. And, I, don't, and I'm, I'm, I know there's so many unanswered questions. I have so many unanswered questions. And the big buzz around the internet is, well, is he back in WWE? Or is he back because Fox? But let's be honest, at the end of the day, over the last several years that Punk has been away from professional wrestling, has been away from WWE specifically, you know, to come back, and yes, even if it is with Fox, it has to do with WWE. He's there with WWE talent, WWE creative. So, you know, that um, at the most recent StarCast, you know, Punk had a good old interview and he said you know and then and, and the interviewer asked him would you would you would you pick up the phone if they called you and he said i'd pick up the phone guys looks like they made the call looks like he answered the call I don't know where his relationship stands with WWE, but my only thing is this: at number one, I'm so happy. I popped so hard. I didn't watch it live. I saw it the next day on Twitter, and I lost. I lost it. I was in my car, about to get going to work, and I freaked out. I watched the video like a bunch of times. I almost ran out of all my friggin' data, but it was well worth it. And CM Punk is back. And uh, what he did say, and just to kind of you know, corroborate a little bit around. If you didn't see it, and at number one, if you didn't see it, go watch that video. But, of course, you know, Renee Young, after, at the very end of WWE Backstage, you know, she was talking about doing things a little differently, doing things on their terms, doing something unique, and getting a little edgy. And she counted to three, and she was like, you know, one, two, three, let's start it off right now. Call to personality hit, you had, you know, Booker T, Adam Cole, Renee, um, Paige was in the ring. And, you know, you didn't think, like, well, is is that Punk? And then the doors open, CM Punk walks out, and guys the biggest thing that got me was when he entered the ring and he took that big deep breath that's what popped me really really hard you know it i was like wow like because he's here he's doing it you know what was going through his mind he's finally back in you know i know it, it sounds really lame to say back in a wwe ring but let's be honest wwe show on fox that was a wwe ring so i know it's you know small details but i'll take it and he looked at the camera and said, you know, you know, it's uh once when they were here to ch- you know to change the questions, he's here to change the culture. Um I might might have butchered that a little bit, but uh, and then he said, see you next week. So clearly CM Punk is a part of WWE Backstage. I don't know if it's on a long-term basis, but all we do know is next week's WWE Backstage is clearly must-see. I'm gonna watch it. I definitely encourage you guys to watch it. And, and that was the biggest thing in wrestling. But on top of that, what I kind of want to go over uh, in this past week of wrestling is, of course, we had, you know, Raw, SmackDown. And, of course, this past weekend, we had AEW, Full Gear. So I want to kind of go through everything. Um, I'm going to start off at Full Gear and then kind of work our way through, of course, you know, Raw and SmackDown. The biggest thing that's, you know, I'll kind of talk, I'll run quickly run through the shows, but the biggest thing that, of course, Raw and SmackDown are building to, once again, a Survivor Series where it's a unique twist, and I feel they've been doing a really good job once again at hyping the NXT individuals, especially this past week with WWE, both Raw and SmackDown, being in Manchester. Uh, They definitely had a really good use of the uh, NXT UK talent, and I really appreciated that. But first, guys, let's talk about Full Gear. Happened this weekend, November 9th, Um, and I'll be honest, I've been following AEW. It hasn't fully grasped my attention. Uh, But I'll tell you, I watched this pay-per-view and I was impressed. One thing I will tell you that almost every single match and every single talent brought to Full Gear was absolute hard-hitting. You saw everyone put 110% in. Not everything was clean, but at the same time, you got to give everyone on that card... An absolute round of applause because the vibe and the culture, like, it almost felt like we need to bring it because WWE is doing this thing with NXT, jumping on, you know, the quote-unquote main roster. Uh, CM Punk is back. Of course, I know that wasn't announced at the time, but clearly AEW's knowing that they need to, you know, step up the bar, even though they've been kind of winning the Wednesday Night Wars, they needed to bring something and at full gear they brought it. So let's kind of let's kind of go through it really quickly, quickly. Opening match, Young Bucks versus uh, I got I got to keep calling them LAX, Ortiz and Santana. Pretty good little match overall. I'll tell you I wouldn't have kicked off with that match. Once again, a lot of choreographed moves, a lot of well-planned out stuff. You know, a really good show from Ortiz and Santana. Um Of course we had our little part at the end, you know in the middle, um, the push to the Rock and Roll Express, Ricky and Robert, and and then of course, um, you know, Ricky and Robert making their way at the very end, and Ricky, you know, for how old he is, and they're still doing independent bookings, and they're still on the road, and they're still in the ring, Ricky doing that that Canadian Destroyer um, on Ortiz was absolutely incredible. Um, of course, there was some good help from Ortiz, but at the same time, the fact that it was, you know, not an overexposure of spots for the Rock and Roll Express, but it was a very cool little move, you know, a little legend making making their way in there. One thing I would criticize on top of them being overly choreographed was, you know, Nick Jackson's leg. You know, they were really trying to play it up as hurt. Uh, they were trying to do the Meltzer driver, and he couldn't do it because of his leg. Um, but there was so, on the, after that, you know, the failed Meltzer driver, he continued to do so many things and showed no weakness to his leg. Um, you know, he was kicking with it fine. He was, he was bumping on it fine. He was running with it fine. Hurricane Rotting with it fine. So that's my only thing. I get it. You know, sometimes with all the adrenaline, the hype, you can't always remember the area you're supposed to, you know, be protecting. In this case, his leg. But that was a big a big get for me. You know, a big noticeable uh, part of it for me was the lack of selling what seemingly was a big injury for Nick Jackson. But LAX did win. Ortiz and Santana were victorious. Um, and that, that's how they kicked off the show. Next up, um, this match, wow. Hard-hitting, aggressive, and everything was Pac versus Hangman Adam Page. 18 minutes long. All I got to tell you is that those, those boys brought it. And that match was probably hands down Adam Page's best performance. He always brings it. He always puts on a good show. However, in this case, Pac was bringing it, and he brought it back. There was a lot of choreographed moves, but at the same time, a lot of it was great wrestling. Everything was hard hitting. A great use of athleticism on every end. You know, very you know, so lots of false finishes back and forth. And, you know, Hangman Adam Page finally getting one, getting something in the win column. Um, you know, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but I believe this was Pac's first uh, singles defeat. Um, I know they've been trying to keep track of the wins and losses um, but as a tag team and as a as a personal individual, you know, um... um wrestler, but uh, but no, overall, great, great, great match, told a great story, and, and this one's great, actually, I, w- I would have loved this one to kick off the show, because for those who have been watching AEW, this has been building even before AEW was a thing, you know, these guys were supposed to face each other at All-In, and, of course, with some uh, travel issues with Pac, he wasn't able to make it. And then uh, Hangman Adam Page put himself into the Battle Royal. That's where he became the number one contender uh, to crown. Or not the number one contender, but he he claimed the spot for the match to de- against Jericho to determine the first ever AEW champion. But, you know, these guys have a great history and career, and, and they definitely fight, and they tell a good story. You know, everything is very aggressive with them, because you can tell it's all about each other, each of them wanting to one-up the other. So they did that again that night. You know, on my notes, I literally wrote, wow, a bunch of times because everything was hard-hitting, aggressive, and the continuation of a great story. Next up, this match surprised me a little bit. Sean Spears versus Joey Janella. You know, there's levels in this game, as JR always says, and, you know, especially when you look at what Sean Spears can do versus what Joey Janella can do. Uh, There there was a, you know, Sean Spears is definitely above the level. Um, but Joey Janela definitely did bring it. He looked a lot better in this match, even though it was very hard hitting and Joey still put his body on the line. And you saw a lot of gimmicks where, you know, like, uh, the corner turnbuckle, you know, he, uh, Sean tied Janela's hair up with the white rope, the rope usually, um, tag teams hold it to give themselves distance to make a proper legal tag. Um, you know, the sidewalk slam to the turnbuckle. Of course, Sean Spears did win uh, after the 11 minutes with the help of Tully. Tully did assist with an outside pile driver from the steps. So Sean Spears got another one under his belt, the chairman, but uh, wasn't without a little bit of conspiracy. Next up was a match that, uh, once again, I was very interested to see um, how a particular tag team would have ended up. There was a, uh, you know, a triple threat for the AEW Tag Team Championships, Private Party, also known as, to me, the Street Profits, uh, versus the Lucha Brothers with Phoenix and Pentagon, and SCU with um, Kazarian and um, Scorpio Sky. Of course, SCU did retain the belts in a grueling 13-minute brawl. I'll tell you, you know, Private Party started a little slow. I feel that Private Party is, you know, in a much lower novice level when it comes to SCU and Lucha Brothers and Phoenix, but they held their own, especially in that second half. A lot of things, a lot of kicks, a lot of maneuvers, a lot of reversals from Street Profits. <laughs> Sorry, private party. Uh, that one was not on purpose this time. Um, a lot of the reversals and everything else were kind of a little a little slow, a, li- a little dry, but near the end, they definitely, definitely picked it up and showed that they were here to play with the big boys. Um, Big standout for me, Scorpio Sky. Fast, quick, strong, crisp, wrestled well, sold well. Everything about uh, Scorpio Sky looked absolutely amazing. Um, So SCU with the win at the very end. Uh, Lucha Brothers attack SCU. It looks like a little little heel turn, trying to, you know, a little aggression towards losing and not being the AEW Tag Team Champions. Um, But then lights went out, and then another Pentagon was in the ring with Pentagon. Of course, you know, took the real Pentagon out and afterwards pulled off the mask. Who was it? Christopher Daniels, the fallen angel. He's back. This is really good because, once again, we talk about stories, we talk about builds. You know, um, not too, too long ago when um, SCU, specifically um, Kazarian and Christopher Daniels, because Scorpio Sky said, I'm going to let the veterans kind of go forth in the tag team tournament uh, before crowning. The champions pentagon and phoenix were actually the ones that took daniels out so it's kind of apropos that you know daniels is back and he's going to get his revenge it looks like we're going to get a pentagon versus christopher daniels match which to be completely honest i ain't mad at it <laughs> that's going to be a great match christopher daniels a veteran of the game he's going to bring it I'm going to be very interested to see how Pentagon does. Sorry, not, I, I know Pentagon will do well, but I'm interested to see how Christopher Daniels will keep up with the newer, you know, era-type, high-flying, hard-hitting Pentagon. I think it's going to be great, um, and I'm sure we'll see that at a later date. Next up, a match, once again, the girls were hard-hitting, kind of brought the same type of path. I wasn't so much into it. Um, we had Rio, the current AEW Women's Champion, against Emmy Sakura. Uh, for the AEW tiny title. Um, Yeah, it was a great match. Rio won, Rio retained, as she should. You know, AEW is still very early in their tenure as a company, so they shouldn't be passing titles around left, right, and center. Eventually, I'm sure, you know, uh, be a Priestley, a Britt Baker, someone will make their way to the top, and eventually Rio will you know, let go of that belt, but I think you just got to find the right time, the right moment, and build your champion, regardless what you think. Rio's tiny. Could have she been the right fit? Who knows? Coulda, woulda, shoulda. However, she is the champion, and they need to, and they're doing a good job at showcasing her as their champion. Stand by their decision, which I really respect. That one for 13 minutes long. Uh, Then, of course, they did a really nice promo package. One thing that AEW is getting better at week over week is how they're showcasing their promos. This one was to build uh, the Cody versus Chris Jericho match for the AEW World Championship. Um, Of course, they showcased Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, and the great Muda sitting cage-side to kind of watch Cody go. Cody comes down with the man that he chose to stand beside him, which was MJF. That ended up being a very bad decision. Um, as well as Chris Jericho came down with uh, current uh, undefeated Bellator MMA star Jack Hager. Um, This match was good. You know, very, very good. You know, and you you knew it was going to be good. 29 minutes. um, It was a little long. I didn't think it needed to be almost half an hour. But at the same time, um, everything was great about this match you know, from Cody really being the underdog, you know, falling outside, hitting his face on the ground, busting himself open, Jericho really, you know, beating him down, beating the legs down, really focusing on the cut on his head, you know, lots of submission moves, lots of reversals. Um, And I'll tell you, one thing that I really liked, and I was always curious on how they were going to do it, was, or sorry, not how they were going to do it, but how it was going to come off was... AEW being very very big on wins and losses you know I remember a long time ago Kyle and I were talking about you know at some point you're going to be so far in and then you're going to say oh this individual is um, 70 wins and 80 losses you know if you did it that way for the whole tenure of the company and it was here for years and years eventually you're going to have some weird looking numbers for some people. But with this one, as they were announcing who was in it, you know, Cody, you know, Chris Jericho, the world champion, you know, showing that Chris Jericho was undefeated and that Cody was undefeated. You know, I think Jericho was 6-0 and and Cody was like 5-0-1, won no contest, I believe. I could be wrong. Um, but they were both undefeated. And that was a great placement because it showed you there's a reason why these guys are on the top. There's a reason why Cody is challenging for the title is because... He's undefeated. He's beat. He's beaten everyone that he's been in the ring with, and I thought that was really good. Alongside, they've done a great job telling the story, leading up week over week, on uh, TNT Dynamite or Dynamite on TNT. Um, but overall, where it did land was a place that uh, Kyle and I kind of predicted a while back. You know, MJF has always kind of been the big question mark, the asterisk on every sentence and every match. Uh, this one had ended with. Um, You know, Cody was in a Walls of Jericho, I still call it, a little Boston crab. But then MJF was kind of worried, worried, and he threw the towel in and quit on behalf of Cody. And he kind of really acted like, you know, like, I'm so sorry, I wanted to be, I wanted to look out for you. I didn't want you to be hurt. I was really worried. Cody helped him up, kind of gave him a pat on the shoulder. Everything's okay, pal. MJF kicked him right in the nuts, took him down. You know, so... Of course, while the inner circle is celebrating as well with a little bit of the bubbly, holding up Jericho on all their shoulders, this was this was great. Number one, you don't need Cody doesn't need to become the champion right away, and in between, you know the one thing you always want to do with some of your top talent, your big guys, your Kennys, your Hangman Pages, you know your Moxleys, and and in this case your Codys, is you know whenever they don't win the belt and they build their way to a title shot. And if they're not gonna be the next if they're not gonna get another shot, um, what's next for them? And this is perfect. We always knew MJF was a little bit suspect. If you watched Being the Elite. For over the past year, there were times when MJF was best friends with Cody, but then when Cody wasn't around, it was that guy's an ass. Him and um Brandy would fight in their house, and Brandy would be like, I know who you are, I know what you're doing, and then he would completely, you know, you know be completely truthful in front of brandy being like you're an idiot you're stupid you're dumb you're ugly i hate everything about this place i hate being here but every time he was in front of cody it was like hey pal hey buddy you're the man you know and he kept up that persona very well eventually we thought mjf was cody's right hand man but now we got a story you know, beautiful build. This build has been happening for over the past year, so definitely kudos to that. And I think this is the right time for MJF to turn his back on Cody, because now in the next big build, in the next big match, paper or pay per view, in this case, um, you're going to have MJF versus Cody, and they have a really, really, really good story to tell. So I thought that was very well done um, and timed very well for MJF to make that turn but uh but no and then of course that led us to the main event a long main event um 38 minutes Kenny Omega versus John Moxley these guys have been beating each other up all over the place this is the first time they're going to be in the ring together in an official match um of course they were supposed to fight a long time ago and have a match but Moxley you know had an injury he needed to get that taken care of Um, You know, I believe it was an all-in-two, like the the debut of AEW was when Moxley came and attacked Kenny. So once again, they have a long, you know, long, or I guess as long as long can be for the tenure of AEW, you know, a really nice long story that they've built upon. This had everything. This was a fight. No holds barred all over the arena. Oh my God. Um, What did they do? Like, you know, the barbed wire to the back, rubbing the barbed wire on Moxley's arm Um you know, that long stick covered in barbed wire to Moxley's face, I'll definitely tell you. So of course, number one, Moxley won. Um, which was awesome. However, the entire match, the majority of it was Moxley getting his ass kicked. And every, you know, gimmick they used in the match was kinda used up against Moxley. So it you know, it kinda looked really glim for Moxley for a while, like Uh, You know, that one point where uh, Kenny did the the roll-up flip, then back flip, but as he was back flipping, he grabbed the trash can and landed on Moxley. The chains, the mouse traps, uh, the glass on the ground, dragging Moxley on the glass, putting glass in his face, carving it on his head. They suplexed on the outside to this big old bed of barbed wire. That was obviously placed, you saw that, Um, so you knew that was going to be a spot. Uh the V trigger right through the light of full gear on the outside. Um then of course they didn't pull the ring canvas off, exposed the wood. Um Kenny Omega had his own version of the dirty deeds, tried to go for a pin. He went up, big move off the top, missed it, huge dirty deeds from John Moxley. Lifted him right up, dropped him on his head right on the wooden canvas. One, two, three. Moxley's your winner. I will say, it was very long, 38 minutes was a very long time, however, it was for what, you know, and some people can be like, you know, backyard wrestling, you know, like, this was very ECW, I'll tell you, with the story they built, what they did to each other made sense because they truly hated each other. They did not one per. They did not want one person to get the victory over the other because they had so much pride. So good on them! I'll I'll tell you, you know, for all those matches through, you know, full gear guys. If you didn't see it, go go give it a watch. I was quite impressed. I was very very impressed, and you know, for me, I'll I gotta give it. You know, I, I know we don't do rating systems here, but I'd give it a you know big old thumbs up for whatever that's worth. But uh, check it out, absolutely. All right, of course, right before that, I wanted to kind of go through uh, SmackDown, then Raw. Um, of course, you know, the big thing and the big thing to touch on for both Raw and SmackDown was the continued build of Survivor Series, which I think has been, you know, for, to come off the previous week with kind of the invasion from the missed flight from Saudi Arabia uh, for SmackDown and Raw and everything else. You know, once again, a great showcase of the NXT stars. So, of course, SmackDown, we open up with King Corbin, pumpin' Survivor Series, insulting Roman Reigns. <clears throat> um, you know, really kind of... Because, of course, they're going to face in the main event. So, he, I think Corbin, once again, it was a little long of a promo, but that's what kind of Corbin does best, is that really grutting, in-your-face, annoying promo to get the fans frustrated and upset and mad that he's even talking. So, Corbin's doing it right on the mic, um, then, of course, we had the big build. One of the big matches was The New Day. Biggie and Kofi, because Xavier's out, uh, was going to have a tag team match against The Revival um, You know, later on that night, or shortly after the segment. But the first match of the night, Sasha Banks versus Nikki Cross, really good match, another really good build on both ends. There was two, two good storylines that were told um, in this match. So Sasha Banks did win. I feel, number one... Shayna Baszler came came out and attacked Bailey. build the Survivor Series because we know we're going to see the NXT champion Shayna Baszler versus the Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch versus the SmackDown Women's Champion Bailey. Triple threat match, who is the best Women's Champion of all three brands. So they're doing a really good job building that. But of course, another thing they're building to is it looks like they're also building to, you know, putting Nikki Cross in a little bit of a corner. You know she continues to face Bailey. You know she had her, her title opportunity. You know it kind of got taken away from her. And Sasha Banks and Bailey have been working as a team. You know a really good heel team. So uh, what I feel this is not just a build to Summer uh, Survivor Series for the um, the three female champions, but I also feel that we're seeing a build to Nikki eventually become the champion, and I think that's great. You know because. She's, u- she's being used as this really big underdog, you know. She was a champion with Alexa Bliss. Now that she's not really with Bliss as much, you know, she's not really winning it. Not to her skill, mainly because everyone else is just kind of costing her matches, especially with Sasha or Bailey or Bailey and Sasha, uh, depending who's in the ring with her. But I, thought that, I, th- I think it's really good because we're seeing two different storylines built in one type of segment. Uh, and I really had to call that out because I think that's really genius. Of course, the continuation from last week, Sami Zayn uh, is trying to convince Daniel Bryant to kind of come on the dark side. You know, look what, what me and Shinsuke Nakamura are doing. Don't do the yes chant anymore because Sammy can kind of see Daniels maybe kind of making a turn, you know, and he wants to prevent that. Uh, Bray then does attack Daniel Bryant, <laughs> which is kind of crazy. Kind of came out of nowhere, and we didn't see an unless... The version I was watching, guys, unless we didn't... I, I, don't, I didn't see really much else other than that part with and Daniel, but it looks like that might be another build uh, to see Daniel Bryant versus The Fiend for the championship. Um, but then we did see the next matchup, the New Day, Biggie and Kofi take on the Revival for the Tag Team Championships. Uh, great match. You know you're going to get a great match when you have these two in there. One thing for me, how good is Biggie? Biggie, we forget former intercontinental champion, former NXT world champion. I would love to see not not new day break up, but I would love to see, because I really think they should be the exception of the rule, and they can kind of do their singles thing. I would love to see Biggie have a singles push, because I think as a singles competitor, he's so entertaining and he's so good. However, one thing that I didn't see coming was the new day is the new tag team champions. They defeated The Revival. Didn't see that coming. It was a really good match, and hey, nice little surprise for this week, and something where usually these types of builds and you know and everything else, you don't really think a title change will happen, but we were mistaken. Uh, heavy Machinery come out. They then get attacked by Imperium, Walter's group. Uh, then in the third match of the night, Shorty G and Ali take on Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. Um Nakamura and Cesaro do win very high energy match. Daniel Bryant does watch kind of to continue the suspect of will he do it? will he turn? will he join Sammy or Nakamura, or is this a way to build you know Daniel Bryant to come back to the s movement and maybe challenge the intercontinental champion i I know Kyle's very big on you know, try to get back to where we were when Daniel Bryant was this mega heel and doing a great job at it. But I think at this point now, it's kind of a little ruined with the whole Rowan-Roman attacker and everything else. I think you go full yes movement, and I think Daniel Bryant becoming the Intercontinental Champion or facing the Intercontinental Champion would be a great... um, In the meantime... Tyson Fury comes out, cuts a promo, hyping his boxing match. He does have a big boxing match coming up soon to defend his lineal championship. Braun Strowman comes out, and they kind of respect each other. They kind of talk about maybe they should be a tag team. Maybe they should take on a really good tag team and see how, you know, us two big bastards do in the ring. B-team comes out, and B-team gets taken out <laughs> really quickly by Braun and by a big um, right hook from Tyson Fury. So, fun little segment. It's good to see that Tyson is around more than just, you know, a cup of hot coffee for the whole uh, Crown Jewel thing. But uh, but we'll see. It looks like we might be getting a tag team match with <laughs> Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman against a team of some sorts. It'd be very interesting to see who that team could be. Then, of course, to kick off the end of SmackDown, ironically enough, I know they're only a two-hour show, but in only their fourth match of the night, Roman Reigns versus King Corbin. King Corbin wins, you know, not without the help of Ziggler and Rude trying to interfere. I'll tell you one thing, guys, and I know it's not always the popular thing, but you really got to watch Corbin. Now, Roman's great. We know Roman's great in the ring. He's got it going on. But when Corbin took that month off months ago and he came back and then he won the King of the Ring and everything else, Baron Corbin is on point with his matches. Before, he was very slow, a little sloppy, everything was always a flaunt. He's hard hitting, he's always captivating, he's always moving forward in his, his, in his attack. You know, not just kind of like, I don't know, just before I always found him a little dry. Kind of sitting back a little bit and playing the, you know, the chicken shit heel. You know, if you kind of say. But now it's almost like he's he's finding a lot of success in his offense. And he's not afraid to get in there and go and attack and get in your face. And as I always say, guys, the worst type of heel is the heel that's willing to get in your face. And willing to fight a lot of the time. And can win. Of course, in this case, <laughs> interference by two of his other buddies. Button Corbin, once again, building up. So that was SmackDown. Now we get into the last segment um, that I'll be going over today, which is Monday Night Raw on the USA Network, once again in Manchester. Um, and as I said earlier, a great, great use of the U.K. talent opens up a Becky promo, talking about how she's the man, talking about how she's also going to be the tag team champion Um and, of course, the first match of the night is Becky and Charlotte versus the Kabuki Warriors uh, for the um, WWE Tag Team Championships. Funny how we've seen, after all this time, especially after 2018, um, where we've come with Becky and Charlotte, where essentially they're kind of best on the same page again. It was just a week or two ago where Charlotte came out saying, I wish I, wish I can call you my best friend, and then struck Becky in the face. Now they're going for the Tag Team championships together doesn't make sense to me guys and i'm really i'm really sorry i don't know what do you guys think you know for me it's i don't know like i think you just you really need to define it is becky and charlotte on the same page or are they friendly or are they friends or are they not because if as you showed us if they're not they can't be going towards the tag team titles and if anything that's either uh, a hidden storyline that i don't know what's coming Or that's just a bad use or a bad sign that your women's division for the tag team titles, your uh, tag division for the females is uh, jeopardized and not very strong when you're just going to put two people who shouldn't be together based off how they've taught us. They've taught us that Becky and Charlotte hate each other. So I don't know. Once again, Baszler arrived. But then Becky showed up on Raw, the SmackDown champ, and attacked Baszler. Um, Once again, a really good use to build to the Survivor Series uh, triple threat match. Second match of the night on Raw, uh, the OC, you know, bullies Umberto, Ricochet, uh, Randy Orton kind of comes, you know, to their defense a little bit. Um, And then that kind of turns into, oh, sorry, that wasn't the second match, that was the backstage build. The second match was Drew McIntyre versus Sin Cara. Sin Cara got wrecked, Sin Cara got destroyed, and apparently, based off the other day on social media, Sin Cara... Asked for his release from WWE, so maybe they promised him a build, and he didn't get it or whatnot. But I don't know. I don't know. What do you guys think? I was never really on the Sin Cara bandwagon. Uh, I can't sit here and get mad at WWE. You know, oh, you didn't use him right. You know, you 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 booked him poorly. I just I don't think Sin Cara ever really caught on, um, especially afterwards. Where apparently this isn't this isn't even the original Sin Cara. Um, this is another Sinkara that took over the gimmick under the mask. So, I don't know. Next up, R-Truth was in a two-versus-one handicap match versus the Bollywood Boys. That kind of turned less into a match, but more into a 24-7 title run, where, of course, in the back, Rowan looks like he wants his take at the 24-7 title. Kind of chased, beat up the boys. R-Truth turned off the lights. Segment kind of ended at that point. Seth Rollins comes into the ring, talks, you know, cuts a really good promo talking about Triple H's challenge and what Triple H said the other week about you're either with us or against us, and you know, kind of motivated Seth to do an open challenge. Who comes out? UK zone Walter, the NXT UK champion. Um, Walter's awesome. Walter's huge. Walter's great. Um, I don't know if they've ever faced before, but I believe this is the first time Seth Rollins and Walter ever gotten into the ring with with each other. Ended in a disqualification because Imperium kind of came in and, you know, interfered. Street Profits and Kevin Owens came in. Huge pop for Kevin Owens when he ran to the ring. Turned into the fifth match of the night. (laughs) Imperium versus Seth Rollins, Kevin Owens, and the Street Profits. Uh, and Seth, KO, and The Prophets won. Great show from Imperium. Walter looked great. You know, and it's funny to see, you know, these big, these big, you know, quote-unquote main roster. I know we've got to stop saying things like that. But these main roster stars like Seth Rollins versus these NXT guys. And how a lot of the NXT people are holding their own. Shows how good Seth and everyone else is. But, you know, these NXT people are really, really here to stay. And I love that. Next up, sixth match of the night, Andrade versus Cedric Alexander. Cedric's not on a very good run lately, getting beat week over week by Buddy Murphy, and once again this week from Andrade. Um, Good little match. I think it's a filler match. Nothing too much to talk about or highlight for it, but I think they're just trying to continue to build Andrade um, into whatever's next for him. Um, And that's kind of good. If you don't have something specific, still get some good TV time. But just have some of those easy-coming, easy-going matches, like when Buddy faces Cedric or Andrade and Cedric, or, you know, other individuals. So, good use of time. Now, the next segment. And this one... So, here's the thing. So, the next segment was the Lana, Rusev, Bobby Lashley stuff. Here's what I'm gonna say. For such a weird segment, which of course undoubtedly Um, is going to build to Rusev versus Bobby Lashley. They are really committing to this storyline. Lana talking about, you want to hear the truth. She's pregnant. She's not pregnant. You know, just Bobby comes out, attacks Rusev. They fight. and You know, Bobby and Lana are kind of up and above. It's weird. I'm kind of looking forward to see Rusev go up against Bobby Lashley. Uh, but I'll tell you, I, I'm kind of interested because of how committed these three individuals are to the storyline. And I didn't think I'd be that much into it. But I'm kind of going, well, where is it going to go next? What kind of silly crap are we going to see next from these guys? Like, you know, we had the other week where Lana <clears throat> and Rusev were in the ring. You know, you're like, you want, want me to tell you why, Rusev? Why I left you and why I can't be married to you anymore? Because you're a sex addict. You want sex in the morning, you want sex in the evening, you want sex in the car. Just all talking about the sex, but then what are we seeing Lana and Bobby do? Sex. In a hotel room having sex, in their house having sex, getting sexual massages. So it's kind of, it's really weird. But at the same time, hats off to them for really committing to this crazy storyline. After that seventh, seventh match of the night, we saw Rowan decimate a local talent. Um, Rowan was carrying around a cage covered with a cloth. I don't know what that is. And if it was shown, I didn't see what it was. So please tweet me at Show if you guys saw exactly what that cage was or what was in it or what you think is in it, if you didn't see it. Uh, all right, co-main event of Raw, eighth match of the night. Uh, another really good use of the UK talent from NXT. Uh, Mark Andrews, Mandrews, and Flash Morgan Webster, the former NXT UK Tag Team Champions, uh, taking on the Viking Raiders, um, the current Raw Tag Team Champions. Viking Raiders win. Great show, great match. You know, uh, know, Mark Andrews, uh, Morgan Webster looked really, really good. Uh, Of course, a big size difference between those two, but, you know... The crowd was very much behind uh, seeing Mandrews and, and Flash Morgan Webster. And I'll tell you, um, you kind of it kind of makes sense to see why Mandrews and uh, Webster were former tag team champions. They work really, really well together. You know, they mesh well together. They feel each other out well. Um, but it wasn't enough for the reigning defending raw tag team champions of Viking Raiders. All right, main event of Raw kind of was what the big build from earlier um, in the show. Randy Orton and Ricochet and Humberto taking on the OC, which is uh, Luke Gallows, Carl Anderson, and the United States champion AJ Styles. Randy Orton, Ricochet, and Humberto win. Um, You know, really good build, especially. Week over week, seeing the OC bully Ricochet, especially recently, bullying Humberto, continuing to bully him backstage. AJ Styles won against Umberto at Crown Jewel after Umberto won the opportunity earlier in the evening. Um, and I'll tell you, it's, it's a really good use of Umberto and Ricochet. Randy Orton, you can put the title on him tomorrow and it works, it fits. But once again, kind of like what we were talking about last week, where what do you do with this great upcoming talent? Don't rush him. Umberto, Ricochet, find good little storylines in between, build, show. You know, Humberto, I think it should be years before he's a champion because he's really young. he's like 20 years old or something like that, 20, 20, uh, 20 21 years old. Um, but don't rush these individuals too soon, especially Ricochet. Don't get me wrong. Ricochet could probably be the world champion tomorrow, but don't. Slow, steady wins the race for these guys. Um, and, of course, not only did Randy and Ricochet and Humberto win, but Humberto pinned the U.S. champion AJ Styles so that's a really good way to kind of continue the already built feud between AJ and Umberto and gives Umberto probably good grounds to uh, get another shot at the United States Championship where I hope he does not win um I don't know just putting young talent up a coming talent popping a title on them too soon to me it's a little much I don't know but uh but yeah So that was it, guys. That was this week in wrestling for AEW Full Gear, uh, SmackDown on Fox, and Raw on the USA Network. Uh, Of course, at the beginning of the show, I'm going to bring it up one more time before before I close it off and pass it over to Kyle. CM Punk, you know, I'm very excited that he's back. Um, And one thing as well I want to bring up is, and I brought it up last week as well, is if you have not um, given a listen yet, After the bell with Corey Graves, the first official WWE podcast, Corey Graves is killing it, and he's really being candid. He's got great guests, but he's not afraid. And what I love about Corey Graves, especially, is he's not sitting there criticizing. He's actually being very open to suggest an alternate way of doing things. And I really feel that that's the best way to captivate, especially with someone inside a former wrestler, you know, current, you know, lead commentator on SmackDown like Corey Graves is. He's privy to a lot of information, and he's not afraid to talk about a lot of it. You know, even this week, um, just a little snippet of it, he was talking about how now that NXT, Raw, and SmackDown are kind of like three individual brands of same worth and value. There's no longer that below and main roster, even though we kind of still use those terms in certain ways. You know, talking about how let's, you know, maybe Survivor Series could have been better where maybe there's only one women's champion, and maybe Bailey, Becky, and Baszler, the three Bs, um, maybe they face for the the one women's championship. Maybe, you know, the North American champion, um, the intercontinental champion, the United States champion face off in a triple threat to become one champion. And, you know, make it almost more interesting because, you know, Corey was talking about the reason why he suggested that was because he feels there's way too many titles in WWE. This is a great opportunity to lower that amount, but plus two, whenever big events come up, with few titles facing for a championship will mean more. You know, um, and, and so definitely, hey, I thought that was a really cool idea, and he wasn't sitting here going, "Well, it's my idea, and my idea is better. They should do this." It was simply a suggestion. He's pumped, he's hyped for Survivor Series. Button, this is how he feels. He would like to see it different. So uh, those are the types of things Corey Graves is really spitting out and putting out there with great interviews. Roman Reigns, Seth Rollins, uh, Triple H, the list goes on. So I definitely say if you haven't, definitely plug it out and check it out um, because I think you guys would enjoy it. Definitely. All right, guys, that's it for me. I'm 43 minutes in myself. I've rambled. I've talked a lot. Thanks for listening to me. Uh, Kyle, I'm going to... you know, reach out for the hot tag and tag it over to you in just a quick second. Hold on. Let me go. There we go. Kyle, you are in hot tag. Go.
0: Hey, everyone. Thanks very much for sticking around. This is Kyle here once again. And thanks, Mark, for the hot tag. So here we go. Apologize once again for not being able to get together with Mark. Uh late train ride in uh, back from Montreal just is the way it is so uh, but next week Mark and I are set to go uh, we will talk Survivor Series previews uh, plus uh, I will bring everybody up to speed on the next uh, c4 show that's taking place uh, i apologize not the next c4 show the next loot seven show uh will be my first time going so i will break down a little bit of the information on that on next week's episode on this week's episode mark did a great job of breaking down raw and smackdown so i won't go through event by event but i did want to just share some brief thoughts on some items and then uh and then we will go from there so um first things first uh I did not watch Full Gear. I just simply um, didn't have the time. Uh, and and to be perfectly honest with you, if I'm gonna watch a national wrestling show, it'll either be Impact or it will be NXT. I just am not ready to uh, spend a lot of effort trying to um, get in with uh, another completely new organization. Uh, it's just not my cup of tea. So I'll leave that to Mark as being our AEW expert. All right. So that being said, I did want to give out some uh, some couple of news information. Uh, I did hear the same rumor that Mark did with regards to Sin Cara. And uh, I have to say that I kind of agree with Mark. I, I don't really care. Um, I think gone are the days of allowing a particular superstar to go without speaking and without carrying their own weight. Um, often what ends up happening is that in the past we would you know you'd have a a Bobby Heenan or a uh Jimmy Hart or whoever else talking on behalf of them, Mr. Fuji because of the language barrier, but those kind of gone by the wayside and, and now your managers are complementary to what you're capable of doing, like Selena Vegas, Vega and uh Andrade. So Sankara they tried running something with Catalina she's going back to NXT he can go somewhere else for all that matters and uh, and we'll go from there side note I apologize Uh, I have a dog here in the recording room and she is uh, going to town on some squeaky toys so hopefully I can get her to uh, calm down but I do apologize if that squeaking has bothered everybody Uh, all right another thing to note happy to announce that Mustafa Ali has returned and uh which I know everyone sees him every week but he was Ali we are now going back to Mustafa Ali so hopefully there'll be opportunities in the future to kind of right some of these name wrongs uh and get everybody back on track and realize that we are capable of talking to people about their full name but at the same time also discussing uh, them in the short form as as the commentating sees fit. Allah will uh, we'll call him Andrade San almost but we can talk to him and say he's Andrade when you're doing your you know announcing of the matches. We don't need to give a full name every time, but you know like every other sport. Uh, and again, that's one of my th- hopes for WB going forward uh, is trying to create a more legitimate sports atmosphere to go with their storylines. So that being said, uh, I also wanted to give a little note here that uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin has got a new show coming to the network, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Broken Skull Sessions. uh, First one debuts on the 24th, which will be uh, Sunday uh, after Survivor Series, I'm assuming. Uh, And it is with the one and only Undertaker, not as Undertaker. I'm assuming he's Mark, uh, but you never know. So, uh, that should be an interesting to see if we get some more of those interesting, uh, interviews from people that we don't normally get to see in other shows. Um, that being said, I wanted to just kind of give a, a brief, uh, outlook on how things are going with the Survivor Series lead up. Um, I think there's both hits and misses here. Um, I do really like the NXT invasion angle. I'm just concerned that every match is a triple threat. Um... I know that Bischoff has said before, and I'm kind of in agreement, that when you make things a triple threat, it makes it a harder time telling the right story. Um, I think there was opportunities here with NXT UK being in the mix that you could have done NXT versus Raw and then NXT versus SmackDown or NXT UK versus SmackDown. Um, Or we go NXT versus Raw and SmackDown together. Um, For some of these matches, I just... Some of them I'm, I'm really looking forward to. Others, I'm not sure yet how this is going to go. Um, but when you put 15 people in a ring together, it's, uh, it's going to be quite the challenge there. Um, I'm really looking forward to the uh, triple threat tag team match. I'm Unfortunately, it's not with the Revival. I was really looking forward to see how they would play up with um, Fish and O'Reilly and the War Raiders. Um, I was like Mark really shocked that the new day did come out on top, um, did not see that coming at all. I'm not sure if there is something else going on, uh, for the revival, um, or, or the deal was, or, or if they're just concerned with, um, selling that particular match, the new day star power. I'm not sure. Um, I know that in the past they've talked about how the Revival wanted to do something more with RKO, a little FTRKO, rko um, but unfortunately they've split them on the brands. Uh, otherwise, I think that would have been really great, actually. They would have been a really great kind of mini-stable to, uh, to deal with, but uh, I guess we'll see what happens with the Revival going here. Um, you know... There's this weird push with uh, Dolph Ziggler and Bobby Roode. I'm not sure where they fit into everything, but they seem to kind of be involved in some of these Survivor Series storylines that aren't really quite Survivor Series. Um, I'd like to see them more back in a singles form. I'm still waiting for Bobby Roode to be the NXT Champion style Bobby Roode. I thought that really, really worked, and hasn't really fit in uh, since then. So, but they're going to be, uh, you know, they'll have some survivor series spots on the line coming up with, uh, Mustafa Ali and Shorty G, which I will definitely not, um, support Shorty G in, uh, calling himself Shorty G or the outfit he's wearing. Uh, American alpha is where he was best suited. And hopefully, uh, at some point in time, they can try and figure out a way of getting that back with or without, uh, Jason Jordan. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said before, Mark's kind of gone through all the different matches, so I don't really want to get into that. But I will. I want to give my take on Imperium. I think they're a fantastic-looking group. I don't know if you call them stables anymore or teams or whatever you want to call them, but they really fit. And I know I was reading a little bit of controversy, not specifically with them, but with some of the fans reacting to them um, and some people giving imperium the you know nazi salutes and things like that and i i like that they're leaving a little bit up to the 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 fans imagination in terms of i know that's kind of what they're trying to get at is this axis of evil but not going so far and it's a bit old school you know what they really needed to be is put up against like a team america um but so it is a little bit old school feel, but I like that they're looking at the purity of it. Um, they're kind of like the European version of the revival where they're they're trying to bring back the purity in, in terms of wrestling. And I think they're a really good group together. Um, I'm hoping that we're going to see them in Survivor Series. They did show up, uh, you know, last couple of shows. Uh, episodes of Raw Smackdown. So hopefully there is something with there. Walter's a pretty daunting individual uh and he's an exciting one to watch. So hopefully there'll be opportunities there uh to get more out of them. Uh I am really enjoying the women's champions uh storyline. I think I mean Shayna Baszler is in my opinion um probably the best heel, female heel uh, that WB has going through in front of them right now. Uh, I do really like Lazy Evans as well, but in terms of all around in-ring performance, out of ring performance, um, she just carries herself in a very specific way that I think is really working out well. Uh, and matching her up with Becky Lynch and Bailey, uh, is, is doing wonders, I think for all three. And I like that they're mixing them up. I like that Bailey is, you know, showing up on NXT and showing up on, on raw when she's not really supposed to, but it fits in with this very, very specific storyline. We talked before and, and they talk about how, you know, you're not going to see these superstars on different shows and I'm okay with seeing them on different shows as long as there's a very specific reason. And this storyline right now makes their, their uh, survivor series match one to really look forward to. Um, Other than that, like, everything else is kind of falling into place and we'll talk a little bit more as as things kind of shed some light um i am also really interested to see how this is going to impact uh or how all of it is going to impact takeover uh war games it's kind of like nxt has their own show going but because of this invasion i'm wondering if we're going to see some w superstars show up at takeover and start disrupting things there so you know we'll see how uh how it goes in terms of um the next you know couple of weeks. Uh I guess now it's really only a week and a half. Uh but we'll go from there. Um the other thing I just wanted to kind of touch briefly on um was the Lana and Rusev and Bobby Lashley situation. I've talked about this before and my Mark did talk about it at the beginning uh about his views on it. I just I'm having such a hard time getting behind this story. Um, I've never been a Lana fan as long as I started watching wrestling again. So you're looking at WrestleMania 32. Um, but I just, it's such an old school feel that that I think we've moved past it. We are moving in into an opportunity to really showcase these individuals as athletes. And we have them... their abilities are far exceeding anything that's ever done before, and you would think that in this day and age we have the opportunity to write better stories and really showcase them and their abilities, and I think this storyline really just suits Lana and it's trying to showcase her, but for no real reason. She isn't worth it, in my opinion. She doesn't really bring anything new or exciting. Um, She's, to, to be blunt, she's just annoying. Her voice is annoying, her image is annoying, everything about her is annoying, and I think that this really takes away from Bobby and Rusev as being premier athletes within the organization and what they can really do. Um, You know, I think they really have an opportunity here to bring back, if anything, let's bring back Rusev Day. You know, we still have Aiden English around, and I think there's an opportunity there to to maybe bring him back and and reignite it, because... I don't think, outside of Rusev being the pure heel uh, competing with John Cena, I don't think we've really seen him in a really great environment, you know, without being Rusev Day, which was um, really more for the, um, that was something that was really brought on by the fans. Kind of like Becky Lynch, right? The fans created this buzz and... WB finally went with it, but uh, unfortunately now we're just stuck in this stupid sex addict, I'm pregnant, I'm not really pregnant um, situation, so I'm tired of it, let's move on, there's better stuff out there. Um, I don't want to really take any more time, I think that there's opportunities next week to talk a lot more as we get closer to... um, Survivor Series so I will leave it there folks um once again make sure you check out full gear full gear at um Mark's recommendation I did want to quickly touch base on Mark's story at the top of the show CM Punk appearing on WWE backstage I am in a holding pattern I I don't necessarily see all the hype that is CM Punk but at the same time I haven't really been around watching this version of wrestling with cm punk so i will hold off my opinions of him but i think we really need to just take a step back and let's see how this uh backstage on fs1 really plays out um before we go and think that you know cm punk is back and he's gonna throw another pipe bomb or whatever it was called or he's gonna you know main event anything um we'll see that's my thought process on it is we'll see we'll see how it goes And then uh, we'll take it from there. So once again, my name is Kyle. Thanks so much. Thank you again for listening to myself and Mark, who was there in the first half of the show. And uh, we will check you all next week with our Luto 7 and Survivor Series preview show. Thanks again, everyone, and have yourselves a good night.